Are there well, lasers in it is what I'm asking. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Film Find. Holy crap. Who thought this would be... We'd do another episode. Now, I granted, I did kind of a car episode uh, about two weeks ago, I guess. and uh, But here we have an entire crew on hand today. Uh, uh, today with me is Laura. Say hello. Hello. And all the way from... Columbia, South Carolina, outside of a Starbucks with redneck crazy Colombians, not those Colombians, but the South Carolina Colombians in the background, okay. is Matt Smith. Hey, everybody. All Good right. to be here. Oh, and of course, the second that we decide to start doing the podcast, he breaks up a little bit, but we're going to keep on keeping on and uh, do that. Uh, we've got an interesting show for you today. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of what you've been watching, then we're going to go come back. Uh, we have a, two big reviews for uh, the two end-of-the-year movies that are uh, quite great. Uh, we have Les Miserables, or Miserables, I don't know, Laura will pronounce all the French stuff for us correctly. And uh, then we're going to take then we're gonna take another break in between that and come back, and we're going to do Django Unchained. It is a big time here on the, what well, well, I guess this will post up on the first. So uh, welcome to your first podcast of 2013. Maybe we'll do more than three this year. You know, who knows? But uh, so stay tuned. We're going to be right back. Welcome back, everybody. All right, so uh, now it's time for the What You've Been Watching segment. We've gotten Matt on to a cell line now going through Skype, so uh, maybe spotty, but hopefully it's not nearly as spotty as the other one is. And uh, please always, again, forgive everyone in the background. It's New Year's Eve and people are insane. So, well, Matt, what uh, have you been watching? Well, I'm uh, trying to navigate some street for a second, but uh, no, uh, I think the... Sticks out of my mind uh, recently was Jack Reacher, uh, which I liked for Werner Herzog's performance as the villain, and uh, that might be about it. It's a passable action thriller, um, but nothing to you know go gonzo over or anything. Uh, that's actually like the thing that's sticking out in my mind right now. I also recently watched on Blu-ray things the uh, Paul W. S. Anderson. Musketeers, Ooh. and that's delightful. Really? And I'm being facetious. I enjoyed that. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's uh, that's anytime Paul W. S. Anderson's name is mentioned, and someone even remotely says that they like it, even almost even in jest, it's like saying, "Hey, that's a that's a, that's a big thing." I <laughs> foam at the mouth. What are you talking about? He's brought us such fantastic epics as uh, as the Resident Evil movies, and um... you're baiting me. I'm not. Gonna <laughs> I, think <they're, laughs> I, I think the Resident Evil movies are like the best B schlock. No, crap no, 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 no. But uh -huh, no. 
I know that Laura hates them. I don't even want to talk about them, honestly. I'm just saying that the Three Musketeers are not that at all. Okay. There's there was there an odd go. little bit of me that did want to see that, especially because it was filmed in 3D, and that was like, who's okay? Now I know because I kept seeing the poster in the theater. Now there's somebody who looks like Michael Sarah in that poster. Who who the hell is that? Or is that somebody? That... I actually don't know who. I don't know who's playing D'Artagnan. I didn't pay attention to the cast, but you know, it's got Christoph Waltz as, as uh, Cardinal Richelieu, and that's enough to see it once. I think. Maybe. <laughs> so, uh, with we all know about Paul W. S. Anderson's um, faithful retelling of all things. So this is uh, in that vein for <laughs> for for uh, Three well, Musketeers. Are there well, lasers in it? Is what I'm asking. What was that? Are there lasers in it? That's what I'm asking. There are not lasers, but he does kind of give it a steampunk vibe, <laughs> uh, which I was big a fan of. Um, but mostly it's limited to the existence of airships. So there's that. <laughs> airships. You know. Airships. You know. You know, like they had. Like they totally had those back then, you know? Airships and pinball machines. Alexandre Dumas uh, dedicated many chapters to airships. Like Loved Victor them. Hugo does about uh, Paris architecture. Yeah, and, 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 and people don't know this, and we'll talk about it in uh, spoilers later for Les Mis, but uh, there's there's also time travel. <laughs> those yeah. may just... No, those, it's not really time travel so much as there is a scene that says eight years later. But, okay, in a way that's time travel, if you think about it. <laughs> so I'm Jack, just saying that the French technologically were very ahead of their time, according to all of the movies I've seen dealing with France lately. That's true. Have you, all right, so anything else for you? Anything interesting? Uh, no, those are the two things. Um, I, oh, there was a uh, what was it? Norwegian film, I believe, uh, Turn Me On, Damn It, that everyone should see. It's out on DVD. Okay, cool. All right, Laura, any, anything else that you've seen? Uh, I've been marathoning Arrested Development again um, because I'm really looking forward to the new season, and I fell asleep during a few of the episodes. Now, that doesn't sound like you at all, oh, falling asleep during... I, well, because I'm, I'm so comfortable. It's not that Arrested Development is boring. It's that I get so comfortable that I can't help it. I nod off. So I, I had to watch a few others because I couldn't quite understand how bad Kitty is or... Uh, or a few of the other things that go on in that show. This is great. Oh, shut up. Um, Movie-wise, let's see. I've seen a few things uh, other than the movies that we're going to discuss uh, today. Uh, I finally watched Pontypool after uh, nodding off at the beginning of that movie. Yeah, this, this great, like, suspenseful film, and she falls asleep during it. I'm like, this is so awesome. How could you fall asleep in this? <laughs> I did. I, I dug it, though. I really liked it. Um, the lead actor's voice is very hypnotizing. Uh, I also saw... I, I'm not really familiar with Roger Vadim. I guess he's French, so technically Roger Vadim or whatever. But uh, I watched Blood and Roses. No. I, I couldn't even finish it. It was pretty awful. Uh, because I just... I, I had a hard time following it. I, I hope this isn't both... I, is it a good example of his work? I mean, didn't he do Barbarella? I kind of remember seeing that, but... Is he? All I know is there's boobs in that movie and it's PG. And I'm all for that. Uh, I saw a documentary, Clean Flicks, about the company that worked on editing um, 
Hollywood films for Mormons, so all the objectionable content would be removed so they could watch movies that they claimed they had to see that was normally filled with sex and violence. Um, I thought that was pretty well done, although, of course, I side with d directors, you know, don't fuck with their films, it, you know, changes things. But Unless you're George Lucas and you can do that all you wanted. Yeah, but anyway, um, what else did I see? Uh, I think that's it. Think. I all right. Think anything else? I'm sure it'll come to later, but I think that's pretty much all I've been seeing today. I've gone through a boatload of things recently. Uh, I just finally caught uh, Sleepwalk with Me, Mike Birbiglia's movie on Netflix. Watch Instant. Um, it, it it's a good movie. Definitely uh, a decent movie for a first time director. Uh, I will say this: like I've kind of I've been a fan of his stand up comedy for a while. Actually, lesser and lesser as the years go by. Actually, and I I don't know what that says about him or me or whatever but uh so i've been a big fan of his comedy so i've known a lot of stuff about him so the more you know about berbiglia the less interesting this will probably be to you because i know a decent bit about his life and this movie is kind of is semi-autobiographical in a way and uh the more that you know about him the less that you'll be surprised about this movie but uh it's definitely worth um i, I wouldn't you know say run out and purchase this but it's definitely worth a uh, rental um i also saw lincoln uh recently uh i enjoyed it i enjoyed it uh, it's getting some crap from some people and um i i can understand people's points to a degree it is, you know, it's two hours of talking. Um, there's not a whole lot to it. Uh, people have said particular things about Lincoln's character, but uh, as is my understanding, a lot of the quirks and different things that, you know, that are attributed to Lincoln in this, his pontificating and storytelling, as well as, you know, obviously his... Uh, a lot of people see the trailer and they're like, they hear Daniel Day-Lewis as Lincoln and they're like, what is with that voice? But uh, it's actually supposedly historically accurate that he had, you know, much of a higher voice. We're all used to seeing, like, cartoons and everything with Abraham Lincoln going, four score and seven years ago. But it's like he didn't have right. that voice. So it actually historically makes more sense. And, like, for me, after about two seconds, you're like, okay, this is this is what this is supposed to be. Uh, it, it's a pretty good movie. It's got, like, it is just, it is chuck full of... Um, of character actors. So if you're a big character actor fan, you can just watch this and just go, ooh, 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 just point them all out. Uh, it's, it's very, it's, it's very cool. But, uh, I mean, am I going to say it's the best picture of the year? No. Um, does Daniel Day-Lewis have a possible chance at at least an Oscar nomination, I would say. I think he does. Uh, I don't, I don't know if necessarily he'll win it, but, uh, he sure as hell makes you believe that he's Abraham Lincoln. Um, I started something recently uh, on Netflix. Uh, it's it's from the BBC. It's a 15-part um, documentary series on film called The Story of Film. And uh, I, I want to like this so much. I have, like, I'm a big uh, movie history fan. I, I enjoy watching documentaries about movie history. It's a subject that really, really interests me. But the narrator for this thing is, I don't know if it's like kind of an Irish or, I want to say it's probably Irish or Scottish or something. In, in a type of, it's like that, but think of what like an Irish uh, Swedish chef would kind of sound like. 
That's the vibe I get. It's kind of a, and everything he says has a, it sounds like he's asking a question. He's like, and the 15, it, 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 I don't know, fucking, it, there were many people who wanted to go to the, to the cinemas. That I can't even do it. I can't do it. It's fucking awful. And I'm sick, so I can't, I can't, I'm a, I'm usually pretty good at voices, but I'm a little sick, so I can't really do But it's, I, I just wish someone would have, you know, redubbed this whole thing because it seems so interesting. There's a lot of great information there, but his his narration is just absolutely terrible. Uh, also, real quick, and I won't take too much more time up with this, um, I also rewatched two movies that I thoroughly enjoy always from Dust Till Dawn. I, at first I thought, oh, I'm just going to watch like the first like 10 minutes of Dust Till Dawn because, you know, it's such a great opening, you know, with John Hawks and, uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't stop watching it. So I finished all the way from Dust Till Dawn, just great movie. I don't have to go into it. I'm sure pretty much everyone listening to this has seen it. And, uh, and a movie I keep referencing to people at work and other times, and no one knows what I'm talking about. So therefore, I'm going to say people in the age ranges of 20 to I'm gonna go I'm gonna go so far as to say 40 have not seen Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, and that's a damn shame because it's a it's a completely awesome movie. Uh, that's another one that's just filled with great actors. Alec Baldwin is in it for like 10 minutes, but you feel his presence throughout the entire movie because his performance is so fucking awesome. Uh, but yeah, Glengarry Glenn Ross. And if uh, fun little fact, if you've ever seen uh, Gil from The Simpsons, that's that was uh, that character was based on Jack Lemmon's character in Glengarry Glenn Ross. The old oh, Gil's gonna get him, guy. Um, that's based on that character. So um, all right, that's pretty much what I've been watching. And I started to, but I didn't finish. I want to get back to it. But uh, Ghost Dog: The Way of the Samurai. <laughs> I started. I started kind of rewatching that again. Uh, that was one movie that, like, in 2000, because I haven't seen it since then, uh, that uh, I, I was like, there's no way I could like this, and I actually really did like it, because, I don't know, it's just, it's a bizarre movie, but it was good. i got to rewatch it. Anyways, that kind of does it for what we've been watching. Uh, we're going to take a little break, come back, and we're going to talk about uh, Le Mails. No. What, we can't call it Le Mails? No, that's awful. Say it, say it right, then. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Or just say Les Miserables. Les Miserables. That was awful. Blah, blah. We'll be back. I dreamed a dream in time gone by. And hope was high. Life worth living. I dreamed that love would never die.
Welcome back, everybody. We're going to get into our first review of two reviews of uh, major uh, movies for the end of the year here. Today's movie, or the first movie up, rather, is Les Miserables. How was that, Laura? It was all right. I can, I, you know, we got to, we're going to refer to... Uh, so far, but what I we're going to refer to the French major here for any of our French pronunciations for things. And uh, I'm sure she'll correct us. And then, or, or, or mostly, actually, she face palms more than anything than she does anything else. I can't believe he's saying that. This chick, I'm going to divert from the movie for just a second. Because oh, i gotta, I got to tell a small story. So we're watching, uh, uh, right around Christmas time, we're watching uh, a Gordon Ramsay uh Christmas special or whatever, right? And one of the things he's doing is he's, he's doing it, and I'm going to say it wrong just to fuck with you, uh, but he's doing this thing that involves a croissant or whatever, and then, but so, he actually, you know, Gordon Ramsay trained as a French chef, so he knows, he knows how to say things properly, so he goes, croissant. This chick almost had a heart attack. She's just, oh, 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 he said it right. Oh, and he said it like three more times. And it was like every time it was like, you know, somebody was just tickling her to death. She's like, oh, he said it right. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. I'm just like, Jesus. All, that's all it takes is just someone saying croissant. You're, you're exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. That is dead accurate. All right. So today's movie is, Les, I'm just going to say Les Mis because fuck it. I'm that's American. Uh, directed by Tom Hooper, written by Claude Michel Schoenberg. Oh God! Then fucking say something. <laughs> then you say it, smart it's mouth. Just funny to hear you say it. You like me saying it like that, though, don't yeah, you? Yeah, go on. Uh, they I'm wrote sure the book <laughs> and some other and some other cats. I don't know. It's based it's based on a book which was then made into a musical, and this is a musical based on the musical or some such. Well, it's pretty much a movie version of the musical. I it's been a really long time since I've seen the musical, uh, probably since ninety eight, ninety nine. So I can't remember if they took anything out, and I couldn't remember if they added anything to it. But apparently, they added one song. Suddenly, or something like that, but um, I was kind of surprised when I watched it how much how much of the songs I remembered. You know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about this song. Or okay, speaking of which, let's go into this then, Matt. What is what has been your past relationship with Les Mis? Uh, well, I saw the play probably I don't know ten years ago, something like that. Mostly, I know. Uh, Matt has turned into a robot, ladies and Yeah, I saw the Liam Neeson film, too. I actually liked it, but I hear a lot of people don't. But it, it did cut out a lot of, of the story. You know what Liam Neeson yeah. film I like? The one where he like plays, I don't know what the name of it is, but he plays um, uh, Patrick Swayze's brother. And he's, I don't know, Liam Neeson doing horrible American accents. It's great. Um... I actually, I came to Les Mis with zero um, exposure, and that's and that's weird for me because I am a straight man who loves me some musicals. Um, and, but yeah, I've, that is weird. But I've 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 never actually I've never seen it. I've never read the book. You have read the book, though, right, Laura? I read it in English, but my next project is to read it in the original French by Victor Hugo. That is a snob, ladies and gentlemen. No, and I it, just want to build my vocabulary. Thank you. I am much. a purist. Oh, all right, uh, but no, yeah, uh, yeah. So I uh, like uh, so we've got somebody who's seen the actual play, someone who's read the book, and a neophyte. So this is uh, this is I think this is a good collection. Uh, 
Yeah, like I said, it was directed by Tom Hooper, who uh, most people will know won a Best Director Oscar for uh, for the King's Speech. Um, I think this time he will be nominated for it for Best Director. He may win, but if he does win, it will actually finally be for a movie that he actually directed. That being said, <laughs> King's Speech could have been directed by any schmuck. I will go on saying that until I am dead. That was an actor's movie, not a director's movie. He's gonna, and that's what's gonna kill me if he gets the best director for this because it's gonna be a like, look at him, two in a row. It's like he didn't deserve the first one, so fuck off for that. But he, if he does win, I, I will, I will gladly hand this over to him. But let's let's start here, Matt. What were, uh, what was your uh, takeaway with Les Mis from 2012? Uh, I actually really quite liked it. Um, it didn't work. Uh, for me on all levels, but I think uh, Anne Hathaway as Fantine is uh, actually kind of remarkable. Um, and Tom Hooper's direction, I really enjoyed. Uh, I was actually having a... Okay, hold on one second. We're going to let you kind of uh, de-robotify. And it's like, you know what? Uh, this is a very intimate musical. It's not like you know, Busby Berkeley style, Moulin Rouge shit, you know, your problem. Uh, I'd, I'd say probably four if I'm in that kind of rating scale. <laughs> we got we got some of that. You turned into Mr. Roboto for about three quarters, but it's okay. We kind of... God damn it, I'm for <laughs> <laughs> the great part was, is you yelled, and by the time you got to the crescendo, it beeped, and it sounded like it robot censored you. <laughs> and let me great. tell you what, <laughs> anyways, this is the quality that you'll be able to expect in 2013, ladies and gentlemen. Matt, get back to Atlanta, you son of a bitch. Anyways, uh, so you enjoyed it. Laura, What's what was your take? I, I really liked it. Uh, and I saw it because I am, you know, the, the Francophile and uh, et cetera, because it's not really in French. But uh, I, I did like it. Uh, I liked Anne Hathaway. I really liked Hugh Jackman. Uh, and I actually begrudgingly liked Amanda Seyfried. I don't know why sometimes, uh, like, her singing, I guess Mamma Mia uh, poisoned me. So I, I wasn't a really big fan of her singing it in that movie, but I didn't think it was that bad. She sounded better in this one, I think. Uh, and I think probably the MVP for me is the guy, Eddie Redmayne, I think is his name, who played uh, Marius. So that's my that's my take. I enjoyed it. I gotta say, I went into the movie, um, I, I figured I was probably going to like this because when I saw the trailer, of which we'll have played just before we get uh, go into this segment... Um, actually, we'll, nah, I don't know. We'll figure it out. I, we may or may not play the trailer. Anywho, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, while watching the trailer, I got chills. So I was like, oh shit, I'm probably going to really like this. And, uh, I did. I really, I really enjoyed it. Uh, like Laura said, the, uh, and, and, and Matt, I think both talked about it, is the, uh, Anne Hathaway's great performance. Uh, she's in the movie so little, but does so much with the uh, limited amount of screen time she has. And uh, there's one song that she sings, and it is just a close-up of her face for, like, the entire time. I, I'm not sure I didn't time how long the song was. It's about, 
about four, four and a half minutes. Somewhere yeah, in that sounds about year. right. But it was a complete song and unflinching, uncutting, and uh, it's powerful as hell. And but and it, overall, I think the movie was really good. There are a couple of choices that I was wasn't a hundred percent, you know, great with. Uh, I from a cinematography standpoint, there's a couple of shots that just seem way out of left field and make no sense uh, in any sort of context that I can put together. Uh, just some weird Dutch angles every now and then. It's like, why? Why? That's It's a weird choice that threw me out of, of the moment. Um, I think the music the music is great, uh, especially as it goes on. I, for me, at least, and it may just be uh, me getting used to uh, the actual live singing on screen as opposed to coming in t- uh, from a uh, from a dub track uh, that was previously done um, but I, I thought I, it felt like the singing at first was might have been just a little bit off or the maybe perhaps even the mix within the uh, the sound itself maybe that was I, I, I can't quite put my finger out as to exactly why at least at the beginning of it, I wasn't 100% down with the music and the music and everything all matching 100%. But uh, uh, I will say that I do enjoy the uh, the live on on screen singing as opposed to a dub. Uh, it's a very different feel, very uh, real feel. And uh, for anyone who hasn't seen this yet, this is a this is one of the most musical musicals you will ever see. I think there's maybe. 12 lines of spoken dialogue throughout the entire film. Uh, almost every single thing is sung in the movie. Uh, and that's, it, it's good and bad in some ways, I think. Uh, kind of, uh, you know, teeters for me of whether I like that or not sometimes. But uh, overall, for its 157-minute uh, running time, uh, it certainly didn't feel long to me. Uh, and I, I, really, I really enjoyed it. Anyone else? I know I'm just blathering on. No, I think uh, I think that for its runtime, it played really short. If that makes any sense, like it didn't feel long at all. No. And I, I think perhaps one of the one of the reasons that it might at least seem to play a little quicker is because of the constant singing that you're not you're not just sitting and waiting for some dialogue, then boom, here's a song, here's some dialogue, here's a song. It's all kind of sung, and, you know, I it's I think of it like uh, like being at work, you know. If you're at work sitting around and there's no music, it's like work takes forever. You throw a couple of songs on, all of a sudden it's like, hey, things are going by a little bit quicker. I don't know if that's necessarily so, but uh, I think everybody did a good job. People are giving Russell Crowe shit for his singing, and I don't think he was nearly as bad as a lot of people are saying. I agree. Yeah, Russell Crowe's been getting a lot of shit. I didn't mind him at all. Oh, I thought he was fine in his his character, but that's was. Uh, I mean, for some for someone who absolutely does not have that background, unlike some of the other people who have done musicals before. Oh yeah, yeah, he did. Just... Yeah, exactly. You got Hugh Jackman, who's like I I, I can't even I, I'm not sure, but like he who may have won a Tony Award or he something. Did. did he? Yeah, he's won a Tony. Yeah, so, Tony you know, Award winning. Yeah, yeah, so a dude who's done plenty of theater and can sing like a motherfucker. Uh, and let's be honest, like can that dude do much wrong? Honestly. Well, I'll let you know when the Wolverine comes out. Uh, well, you're no. That look, the first Wolverine movie. I don't think that that's that's. I don't blame him for that. 
That's no, I don't the, either. I'm just, that's why I'm saying I'll let you know when the Wolverine comes out. That's true. What do you think about the other actors? Because <laughs> if it's two in a row, it's his issue. Because uh, you've got you know like Sasha Baron Cohen as uh, Mr. Tenardier, and then uh, Elena Bonham Carter as Madame Tenardier. Oh, you mean Helen Bonham Carter is every character she's played for the past five years? Yeah. Am I wrong? Am I wrong about that? <laughs> I don't think so. No, I I found it weird that they cast both of the BC. What I'm calling them now, uh, Bonham Carter and Baron Cohen, uh, <laughs> as like caricature things that they've done. Are those things? They kind of. I think they were cast because of who. I'm not sure it's a bad thing, but you're. I mean, you're dead on. It's like those same characters. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought they they were fine and serviceable for what they did, but uh, I'm glad those parts aren't much bigger than they already are because that might have gotten a little grating. Okay, so uh, I guess overall that is a high recommendation from all three of us for Les Miserables. Pronounce it right, Laura. Come on. Les Miserables. Oh, so French. <laughs> I'm, here, I'm the one here with the French last name, damn it. Huh. It's French-Canadian, but what the fuck, you know? I mean, same diff. Well, hey. don't let them hear you call it French, then. <laughs> it's French. Fucking Quebecois. Okay. Whatever. That's how, that's why you pronounce it portress. Great grandpa was just like, ah, oh, yeah, none of that crap, <laughs> none of that France crap. We're doing, we're Americans, damn it. So uh, yeah, that's Les Mis. It is out in theaters now, directed by Tom Hooper. I'm guessing Tom Hooper's probably gonna win Best Director for this. I think this is uh, of all the films in 2012, and we'll do a big 2012 wrap up at another time. But uh, I think this is. This movie is made for Oscars. I think this is probably going to run away with a lot of Oscars this year. You really think he's a, he's a lock for director? I don't know. Who's who? Who else do I, they got? Maybe P.T. Anderson. Oh God! Fuck off on what you think I, about that movie. But I I would I would actually guess maybe him, maybe Tarantino. Tarantino might win screenplay. I don't know. Just, I, I don't just, know who they go. I. I haven't seen anything where, like, Hollywood is so obviously belating themselves as the artist this year, so I have no clue frontrunner for any of that. That's stuff. a good point. That's, a, that's quite a good point. All right, so that is our re- review for Les Mis. We're going to take a little break here and come back with our review of Django Andre. Well, 
Welcome back, everybody. It is time for our second big review of this episode, the first episode of 2013. going to be hard saying that for a little while. 2013, you're going to keep going that 2012. It's like writing a check, uh, I always say. Um, but uh, yeah, this is Django Chain, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Maybe this kid will get something one day. Uh, no, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Samuel L. Jackson, and a boatload of other people. Um, Carrie Washington. Carrie Washington. And we'll talk about her character in just a moment. But uh, Alright, so here's the IMDb plot synopsis here. With the help of his mentor, a slave-turned-bounty hunter sets out to rescue his wife from a brutal Mississippi plantation owner. From a beautiful Mississippi <laughs> plantation owner. Have you read anything this episode? <laughs> Shut up. I can. <laughs> this is the lady I love, everybody. She's a jerk. No. Anyways, uh, <laughs> here's the trailer for Django Unchained. You're an asshole. <laughs> Do you know what a bounty hunter is? You kill people. And they give you a reward? Better they are bigger the reward. looking for the Riddle Brothers. However, I don't know what they look like, but you do. <laughs> they called my wife. They sold him. But I don't know who to. Calvin Candy. That's the repellent gentleman who owns her. Boomhilda is my property, and I can choose to do with my property whatever I so desire. Help me find the Riddle Brothers, and I'll take you to rescue your wife. Let's get to it. My name is Dr. King Schultz. This is my valet, Django. Come on over. We got us a fight going on that's a good bit of fun. Where'd you dig him up? Yeah, for Twitter's turn of events, brought Django and myself together. Move it. Well, I've heard tell about you. You got me curious. I'm curious what makes you so curious. Something up with these two. Them old boys done rode a lot of miles, went to a lot of trouble just to get that gal. Hey, little troublemaker. You silver-tongued devil, you. They playing your ass for a fool. I spent my whole life surrounded by black faces. I only had one question. Why don't they just rise up and, and kill the whites? <laughs> Who knows what could happen? Y'all ain't gonna make it out of line. Anyone bring any extra bags? No, nobody brought an extra bag. I'm just asking. In my world, you gotta get dirty. So that's what I'm doing. I'm getting dirty. What's your name? Django. D-J-A-N-G-O. The D is silent. Adult supervision is required. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was the trailer for Django Unchained, starring Jamie Foxx, uh, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on Django? Uh, I I loved it. I'll just throw that out there. Um, Actually, like everything about it, I am 100% on board with. I'm not sure if it's my favorite movie of the year, but it's damn close. 
Uh, I think it might be Tarantino's best work since Jackie Brown. Um, and everybody's great in it. And I'm so glad that I finally got to see Christoph Waltz play something that isn't a bad guy. Yeah, like you can actually finally root for character. the dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm on board. Um, I, I liked that he made it very Southern um, for a spaghetti Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was very nice. And uh, Kerry Washington is fantastic um, in a very small role, kind of. Uh, she crops up here and there throughout the movie, doesn't have a whole lot to do. But if if I could give Oscars to people who fully deserve them just based on what they do in films, uh, she would get one for me based on just her last two close-ups. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that's that's one of my very few complaints with the movie is that her character just doesn't have a whole hell of a lot to do. I wish her character was developed a little bit more. That's my only uh, little complaint with this. But before I hear my uh, thoughts here, Laura, your thoughts on Jada? It was, it felt long. It felt long. Uh, I, I don't want to like spoil anything, but during like one of the, you know, more tense scenes toward the end of the movie, I'm like, okay, we're about to get to the end. This seems like a reasonable time to end for a Tarantino film. Nope, not the ending. Shit just got worse for Django. And now we have what, another 30, maybe? It was at least. Another 30 minutes of, of, you know, Django trying to come back out on top and I shifted in my seat. I was like, holy, oh my God, it's not going to end bad. So we're going to have to like sit through some more stuff. Oh, I don't, I, I, I liked it, but I don't think it's going to be unpopular. I don't think it's as good as some of his previous works. I disagree that Jackie Brown was his, you know, I guess his best one. I mean, I like Jackie Brown, but I have a, I, I really love Kill Bill Volume 1. And as I was watching Django 2, I was sitting there, like, like comparing scenes in the movie to scenes in other Tarantino films and how similar they were set up. You know, I would actually like it when this movie comes out on Blu-ray to compare the opening of Jackie Brown and Django, like how the, how the, the movement and where the, the uh, titles show up, if that makes sense, because it, it made me think of Jackie Brown as I was watching it. And then there were a lot of other scenes, too, that made me think of, of Kill Bill. For example, near the end of the film, uh, when Leonardo DiCaprio as Calvin Candy is having a discussion um, with the rest of the characters about um, the skulls of African Americans, it made me think of Bill's big speech in the end of Kill Bill Volume Two regarding Superman and Clark Kent. And I I don't know I I it just it was all right. it was all right. I I can't believe it's gotten so much praise. But I guess it's gotten a lot of uh, criticism as well, which I, I find interesting to read what people feel about it regarding race. Um, but I, Because I, none of those things were said back then. Also, um, well, no, also, too, uh, I, th- I think this is his most violent film. It's, uh, it's obvious. I think it is his most gory one. That's very true, because a lot of times uh, people think of Tarantino movies as very violent movies. But in many things, especially uh, pre-Inglorious Bastards, are, it's very much implied violence in a lot of his stuff. Yeah. That, you know, you, you don't... The exception you, of Kill Bill Volume 1 in large chunks, yes. Yeah, you, you, yeah exactly. But I would, I would say, though, Kill Bill Volume 1 is more cartoony. Yeah, it's, it's not, more, even, it's it's not real like, realistic. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's more cartoony and more of an homage to the, you know, uh, not-so-great... Um, effects of kung fu movies from that era you know like sophie fatale's yeah. arm 
or great. Scouting, you know. Or great ones. Ah, whatever. But Jimmy Wang Yu just holding his like fucking arm underneath a shirt, but you can clearly see. Oh, well, you can see is that amazing. with um um Jill, what's her name? Dreyfus. So yeah, Dreyfus. I can't think of her last uh, for her first name for life. Maybe the actress that played Sophie Fatale. You could see her arm right beside her body as the fake arm is spouting out blood. But as uh as uh, Matt said, he would give an Oscar. For just a great small role or something like that, I think that I think that Oscar should go to John Johnson, but that's just me. John Johnson, <laughs> and we'll talk about it when we do kind of a, a kind of a year in roundup. But uh, John Johnson has made was probably my second favorite performer to show up in like different things this year. I'll talk about that other one. That's a tease for a later show that we will do. I swear to God, we will do another show. And it won't be... <laughs> we just need to book in shows with like, all right, here's the beginning of the year, there's the end of the year. And just do two shows a year for the podcast. You know? <laughs> under promise and under deliver, baby. But uh, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed Django. Um, I didn't feel that it was... I didn't feel it was too long. Uh, maybe just... It it felt. Don't get me wrong. It was a long movie. It did not feel like a short movie. But uh, for me, with a Tarantino movie, it's like, oh no, another thirty minutes of great dialogue and stuff. Through the, oh heavens no. Um, so I, I I can't abide by that. That's I, so that, not a problem for me. Like I said, one of my few things is just is the small uh, role for Carrie Washington not really uh, evolving her too much. But um, Jamie Foxx did much better. That, than, go ahead. Well, I, I do think, uh, as far as that criticism goes, I think that the reason that the role is not developed that much is it is a very basic one. Um, I, I'm not saying that it's a great one, but I think that it's uh, it's simply that Broomhill place within the the Nibelungen uh, myth is like. You know, she's rescued by Siegfried. She kind of just doesn't do anything. The whole story, it's Siegfried's story. Right. And I, th I think that so much of Django's plot structure is directly borrowed from that, that it was almost kind of like second nature of not developing that character. I'm not saying that that's necessarily the way that it had to be. I just think that's the reason it is. No, I, I completely agree, because the, at the same the, time... At the <laughs> robot voice. At the same time... Uh, while I go, I wish her character was more developed and whatnot, I cannot tell you what to put in there. I don't know what would have made that better. So that's, the it's a, I don't want to say damned if you do, damned if you don't, but it's a sticky situation of if you could add more, what would you add? And I couldn't pinpoint as to what. It just felt like there maybe needed to be more. And like you said, maybe that it's, the fact that it's not is is fine. And overall, like I said, it was not a big, you know, bother to me. Uh, Christoph Waltz again, great. You know what? What more do you need to be needs to be said about this now? Oscar-winning actor. And uh, I also I, I like DiCaprio a whole lot in this. Uh, he is he's awesome because he's on he teeters on that scene chewing uh, level. He's just right there doesn't quite do it but is like right at that cusp of that that cusp of that like al pacino can sometimes get to where it's like you're almost chewing at it but you pull back just at the last possible second so it's almost over the top but not quite and uh thoroughly enjoyed that yeah he's great in it is it i think it's because doesn't he doesn't normally play an asshole or a oh not guy. like this he no does. he's never 
I, I, I don't think he's ever played an actual bad guy role. Also, Sam Jackson serving some real Uncle Ben real uh, realness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I just yeah, like he that. actually <laughs> he, he reminds me he reminds me of my friend James Boatwright. He looks exactly like my friend James Boatwright when he's in old makeup, which is really weird and funny. All I, all I could think of was when he had that expression, I was like, Uncle Ben's rice, that's what he looks like to me. And I, I, I hope that doesn't make me sound bad, but it's just... Racist. Servant, Uncle Ben realness. Uh, someone else called him Uncle Ruckus. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess he is kind of Uncle Ruckus-like from Boondocks. But... I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want people think I'm shitting all over Django or whatever. You know, it's no death proof. Death proof oh, snorefest. Uh, <laughs> I still don't have a problem with death proof. I enjoy I death proof. I'm, so. I'm baiting. I'm baiting because I know Matt likes it. Uh, but it's just. I was like, it's a little repetitive to me. It's very similar to Kill Bill in some aspects and, and whatnot. So that's just eh, eh. Okay, so that's a big meh from Laura. Um, I, I would. I'll say this, I mostly, I, I like most of the music in the film. Uh, most of it's pretty good choices. The only thing is, and I know a lot of people really dug it, but the uh, the James Brown uh, uh, mashup, I was not entirely on board with. Oh, the one that played during the big shootout? Yeah. Uh. I'm okay, I like it, I need to see it again, maybe, uh, to really kind of see. It threw me out just a touch, uh... But overall, I thought I thought you know there were good choices on music, especially the uh, reemergence of the Django theme uh, from the original Django um, with Franco Nero. It also on Hundred Black Coffins as they're going into Candyland is really solid choice, I think. Yeah, it like see, yeah, I, I I enjoy that. There's one more thing I wanted to fucking talk about, but god damn it, if I can't remember what it is. Um, but yeah, oh um. I love how I love one of the the first little assignment that uh, Django and um, King Schultz go out to. Uh, it's basically an entire western shown in like ten fifteen minutes. Yeah, and I, I love that. That is so great that they condensed everything to, for a movie that's so long. They condensed an entire western into like fifteen minutes of stuff, and it's done brilliantly. Yeah, no, that that uh, opening sequence is terrific. Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I also I also enjoyed the uh, the kind of the birth of the KKK sequence. It kind of played like Tina's blazing fast. Oh, I do want to talk about that. That was honestly that's what's so great about this movie to me is like as violent and bloody as it is, it is also absolutely hysterical in many points, especially in that scene. I have heard some criticism of that scene. People don't seem to like it. They're like, oh, the humor took me out of it. It was so much. The scene went on too long. I thought it was perfect in every sense of the word. It was just, to me, that was that was one of the highlights of the film. I don't know. To me, the funniest part is where, you know, Django gets to choose his own outfit. And what does he show up in? Little Boy Blue. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good joke, too. Like, it cuts it the exact beat of, like, how that joke should work. And uh, it's I I, I got to say that even though Sally Mankey did not uh, edit Django Unchained because she passed away this past year, uh, I think um, that the editing was spot on. And um, 
I was glad for that, actually. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was, it was pretty good. An editor, uh, Rick. I can't think of his name right now. I think it's Rick something. Yeah, he was formerly her, her assistant and everything. So uh, it's somebody yep. who knows the workflow and t- Tarantino and has been kind of in on the process. So uh, it's probably not nearly as hard as it would be to find somebody, you know, quote unquote, fresh off the street. But Tarantino, if you want somebody right. to edit your next film, I'm, I'm available. I, I, I'd fuck it up, but I'm available. <laughs> um, I was wondering, are we going to talk about the criticism? That's been leveled against what's, us. What's the oddest thing? Like, you know... Like, what you think about it? Like, especially the stuff with Spike Lee. Spike Lee's a douchebag. I think that's like an open and shut case, right? Well, I, I know that... I know that Sam Jackson's response to that was that, um... Uh, leave Tarantino alone. He's not a racist. And on top of that, he's made more good movies than Spike Lee has lately. So maybe oh, that's Spike Lee truth. should try to make good movies instead of other people's work. That was that was Sam Jackson's response, which I thought was pretty baldy, because he's he's friends with with Spike Lee. You know, he's been in several Spike Lee movies. So, and if I'm not mistaken, it looks like he's going to be in Spike Lee's next movie, which I am sure is going to be a tank piece of shit because Spike Lee <laughs> is remaking Old Boy. What the fuck? Yeah, yep. <laughs> remake Old Boy. Just just fucking remake Old Boy. You stupid fucking moron. You what an idiot. Yeah. Why don't you just say, "Hey, I want to make a disaster." Let's remake. I mean, let's remake on with the women already. Why don't we fucking just do that? I don't want to just hate on. I just. I don't want to just hate on Spike Lee. I actually do like many of his films. Oh, not as most, do I. But as many do I. of them. But you know, like maybe if you spend a little time, uh, like putting some work in on your fiction films. I mean, his documentaries have stayed great, but you know, fiction takes a little work that he isn't putting into it. I think he's just showing up at too many Well, that's the thing. is like the stuff that, and the, and the things that aren't, are, are quote unquote, aren't his stuff are some of his best work. Yep. You know, you got your 25th hour, your inside man, stuff that's not his or is some of his most standout material. Yep. Well, I, I also think it speaks, I mean, it speaks volumes that uh, Tarantino is able to get what might be the most, uh, aggressive representation of black uh, of, uh, African-American males on screen in maybe, a, I don't even know how long, but to make it as widespread and have it shown in as many theaters, and Spike Lee can't even get financing to make Inside Man 2, which he's had on the docket for a long time. Uh, I don't know, maybe he's upset about that. I have no idea. But to think that Tarantino is disrespecting uh, African Americans with Django Unchained, I think, is a little disingenuous because, well, end of story. The guy made Jackie Brown, which has a black female lead character. Yeah, even and Spike Lee. Who the fuck that. has done that? The answer is nobody. And that is why Tarantino will always be superior to Spike Lee. Uh, well, that does it for this uh, first episode of 2013. Uh, Love for Django, almost all around, except for Laura, uh, but definitely love all around for Les Mis. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, anything like that, please feel free to email us at thefilmfind at gmail.com. Please go to thefilmfind.com where you can go to uh, like us on our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, uh, and please do go to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast, review us on iTunes. These things help us out greatly. 
again, thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll have uh, more than two episodes this year. For Laura McCarricker, Matt Smith, I'm Adam Portress. We'll see you next time, guys. I let my tape rock till my tape pop. Smoking weed and bamboo, sipping on private stock. Way back when I had the red and black lumberjack with the hat to match. Remember rapping Duke? The high, the high. You never thought that this pop would take it this far. Now I'm in the limelight because I rhyme tight. Time to get paid, blow up like the world trade. The opposite of a winner Remember when I used to eat sardines for dinner Peace to Raw G, Brucey B, Kid to Brink Funk, Master Flex, Love, Punk, Star, Skin What's the big deal? Yeah, <laughs> you can't read. You know that's a sore spot with me. My illiteracy <laughs> is my business. Okay, so like about, a, I guess two weeks ago, I'm, I'm looking through Twitter or whatever, and so Colin Quinn's name comes up, and he says, uh, right. he says, hey everybody, turn to ABC right now. Scorsese is on with the entire cast of Goodfellas, and they're talking about the making of the film. So, of course, you know, I turn to ABC, and what do I find? The Sound of Music. <laughs> and so I tweeted back at him. I said, you sneaky son of a bitch. Joke's on you. I love The Sound of Music. <laughs> and I got a retweet, so. All right, so that's that. Tom Hooper's a dick, though. And that guy looks like he, sh he, looks like he should have a mustache. Doesn't he look like he's, uh, like, like he's, uh, like, Tilda Swinton's fucked up looking older brother or something like that. Yeah, he looks like that and he also looks like he should like he should be a Muppet. Also that, yeah. He's got like a very Muppet face, like like he's a like a uh, a cousin of um Sam Sam the Eagle. <laughs> and <funny>. action. <laughs> That's what he what a dork. Do you think Sam, um, what's his name, uh, Hugh Jackman, I was about to say Sam Jackman. Whoops. Hugh Jackman, do you think... I'm the Wolverine, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? I'm Jean Valjean! <laughs> I stole some bread, and now I went to jail! Get my chains, the one that says badass motherfucker on it! <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh... <laughs> These are all going in the outtakes.